0: So we're going to be in Micah, finishing up our series in the Old Testament of the Minor Prophets. Uh, It seems, as David said, we've been in the Minor Prophets, the Old Testament for, it seems like, this entire year, right? This doom and gloom of the the children of Israel, everything that's gone on with them. And I've got some good news. We get to end on a message of hope today, looking at who our God is. Is And while you turn there, I'm going to just tell you a little bit about me. For those of you that don't really know me, my name is Tyler Bass. Uh, If you're new here, I'm usually up here playing the guitar, singing. Um, But I get to do this today. And so with it being Thanksgiving week, I'm thankful for people like Carly and the band that can come up here and they can fill in for me while I'm either gone or getting to do something different. Uh, And so thankful for them. But a little bit more about me. um, I have four kids. Uh, And that's something that people, it's pretty crazy sometimes, but with four kids, those of you that have kids know that it comes with so many stories, right? You can just just compile a list, a notebook, a, a book full of stories that your kids have to do with, right? Things that they say, things that they do. Um, and so today I'm going to start off with a little story. And it's kind of funny because I think he's, he was in here for just a second ago. But I'm going to tell you a story about my oldest son, Eli. Okay. Uh, and we all get this way in life. And have you ever been to the point where you want things here and now? You want what you want, and you have to have it now. See, that's, that's me, right? I don't like surprises. I don't like, wait, like waiting for birthday presents or Christmas presents. I want to know what I'm getting. I want to get it right now. Well, my sons like that too. And in this instance, uh, Eli one time, this, this was a few years ago. He's probably six or seven, uh, and his, there's something going on with his Xbox now, you know, with kids and their gaming systems, they have to, I mean, it's all about that, right? And I'm dealing with that in my own family. And uh, so at this moment, he's, his gaming system was not working properly. Well, I, I couldn't go and fix it. He come to me and said, dad, my, my Xbox not working. And I said, I'll, I'll come and I'll help you in just a minute. I'll help you in just a little bit. And I couldn't get to it right away. Finally, when I was able to do it, I went upstairs, and here's Eli, and he's being really quiet. He's like, Eli, what's going on with your, with your system? He goes, well, it just wasn't working. I said, what, what was going on, Eli? And he said, well, the screen wasn't coming on, and I felt it, and it was really hot. I said, okay. So I went, and I looked at the Xbox, and there was, there was something a little wrong with it. There's, there's water all over the place. All over the, yeah, you know where this is going, right? water all over the dresser and I said Eli what did you do nothing nothing I said Eli you, tr- you tried to fix this right no uh uh-uh, no Eli what did you do well dad it was hot and I tried to fix it and I poured water on top to cool it off well for all of you that know anything about electricity or stuff like that if you pour water on it, it makes the problem even worse right makes the problem even worse and as I was thinking through this week's lesson and thinking through Micah and the situation that he was in this this statement came to mind if your focus is on the here and now you'll miss out on what's to come if your focus is on the here and the now you'll miss out on what's to come see Eli His focus was on the here and now. He wanted to fix the thing right then and he took his own measures and he missed out on what was to come. I could have possibly fixed it, but also for a while he didn't have a gaming system because he tried to do it himself. He had to learn not to do that. So I'm gonna pray for us and we'll get into our text this morning. God, we love you so much. I thank you for this opportunity that I get to come here and I get to unpack your word God, I pray as we dive into Micah chapter seven, God, that you not only speak through me, but you speak to the hearts that are, that are here this, this morning. God, you give me the words to say, God, that we can receive you this morning and receive your goodness in our lives. God, we love you so much, and we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. If your focus is on the here and now, you'll miss out on what's to come. Micah chapter seven, we start out with verse one. It says this, it says, how sad for me. And this is Micah talking, and and he's speaking out of sorrow, out of anguish, out of, he sees what's going on at this time, and, and here is where he is at. He says, how sad for me. It says, For I am like one when the summer fruit has been gathered after the gleaning of the grape harvest, finds no grape cluster to eat, no early fig which I crave. It says, Faithful people have vanished from the land. There is no one upright among the people. You see, Micah is so upset because he longs for some goodness in the land. He longs for upright. He craves, he is hungry to find good people, but they are nowhere to be found. This is the time that Micah was living in. It goes on, it says, all of them wait in ambush to shed blood. They hunt each other with a net. Both hands are good at accomplishing evil. The official and the judge, they demand a bribe. When the powerful man communicates his evil desires, they plot together. The best of them is like a briar. The most upright is, a, is worse than a hedge of thorns. I mean, just this imagery here. The day of your watchman, the day of your punishment is coming. And at this time, their panic is here. You see, Micah sees what's going on in the people around him. He sees the corruptness, the, even the officials, the, the people that are in charge, the powerful men, they're corrupt. He sees the divisiveness. He sees the, even the common people, what was going on with them. This hatred, this, this vile, this the, the, so bad, there was no one upright, no one good among them. And if we we really think through it, this is the story of the children of Israel. This is the story of the Old Testament. We can look back long ago in the time of Egypt when God shows them his promises and they look to God for just a little bit and they say, God, you are awesome. And then when something goes wrong, they turn away and they go back into their own selfish desires. It's this emotional roller coaster with the children of Israel that we see all throughout the Old Testament. And this is the same place that they were in. This time is no different. The people had forgotten their God. That's where Micah stands at this point. The people had forgotten. There was so much confusion. They preferred lies to truth. And this confusion reached every level of society in the day of Micah. It goes on in verse five and six and says, do not rely on a friend. Don't trust in a close companion. Seal your mouth from the woman who lies in your arms. Surely a son considers his father a fool. A daughter opposes her mother. A daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the men of his own household. I mean, this is crazy to think about, right? A man's enemies are the people of his own household. This was what he was living in the confusion, the chaos, the divisiveness of this time. Conflict, division, lack of trust. We kind of see this same moral decline today, right? We see broken relationships. We see this in politics. We see this in churches. We see this among close friends. And and Micah is talking about his neighbors and his friends, husband, wife, sons, daughters, mothers, fathers. The basic unit of society was falling apart. It's crazy that not only back then, we see that today. Today. We see it in our relationships. We see it in our families. We see it in best friends in school. I I deal with students a lot. And the back and forth between friendships is just, it's absolutely crazy. But it's, it's crazier to think that this, all this had to happen. And you're thinking, okay, what are you talking about, Tyler? Why does this have to happen? Even Jesus quoted verse six in Matthew chapter 10. It says, for I come to turn man against father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be their members of his own household. So I ask the question, what do we do when the people closest to us let us down in some way? What do we do when the people that we've leaned on and we trust so much let us down in some way? Because that happens today. What do we do when the world begins to lead us astray? I made mention of being a student minister and, and, and I'm in the schools once a week. I'm in the junior high. And just to see what is going on in the lives of our students, they're walking down these halls every day and, and society is just confusing the mess out of them, right? Society and culture is telling them they should live this way, they should act this way, talk this way, do these things, grow up to be certain people. And they're so confused because they want to follow God. I see it, they want to follow him, but the world, the society is saying, that's not cool, right? So what, when, what do we do when there's so much confusion going on that we don't know what to do? We see that in verse seven. Micah reminds us to look to the Lord. You see, Micah reached this turning point when he began to to look away from the sins of the people and he began to see the faithfulness of God. That's where Micah was at. He was at the point, this turning point of, okay, God, I see all of this going on and something has to change. So I am looking to you. It says this in verse seven, it says, as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will look to the Lord, the one who never lets us down, the one that that I can always trust, the one who is always faithful, the one who cares and upholds me with his righteous right hand, the one who leads and guides me in ways that he guarantees are ultimately for my good. He says, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. This is a picture of complete and total dependence on God says i am waiting i am trusting i am leaning on god and that i can trust that he will come through for me i will wait on the god of my salvation and he will hear me and not just hear me he will answer me this is the complete picture right here of dependence of looking of following our savior What Micah is ultimately saying is when divisiveness comes, when corruption comes, when just chaos of the world is coming, he says, I will continuously look to God for he hears me and he'll answer me. See, Micah understood the problem of his time. Micah saw the problems of his people. We've got to take a long, hard look. Do we see the problems of the people around us? Do we see the problems in our own lives? Because way too often we take our eyes off the one, off of the one who should be leading us. Way too often we are focused on our own fleshly desires. Way too often we are chasing the things of the world instead of the things of God. We want the here and now. But verse seven reminds us to stay focused on the Lord. So how does Micah do that? How does Micah keep his focus? Why does he keep his focus on God? Because Micah understood who God is. I told you we're gonna end with this message of hope and that's exactly what we're gonna do. In verse 18, we see this, this prayer, this, this prayer of celebration of hope in who God is. And it starts out like this. It says, who is a God like you? I love this question from from Micah. It says, who is a God like you? You see, more than 3000 years ago, God, God performed one of the greatest miracles of all time. When he got the children of Israel out of Egypt. He led them out and and opened up the Red Sea and parted as they they walked across dry land. As soon as the last person reached the other side, he he closed in the Red Sea, swallowing up the Egyptians. After this moment, after this great miracle, Moses and the children of, of Israel, do you know what they did? They sang a song and worshiped. And in this song, in, verse, uh, in Exodus chapter 15, verse 11, 11, it says, Lord, who is like you among the gods? Sounds familiar, right? Who is like you among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, revered with praises, performing wonders? Moses asked this beautiful question, who is like you, Lord? Is there anyone who can compare to you? And what he's really saying is, there's no one majestic in holiness as you. No one is awesome in glory. No one works wonders. There is no one, no man, no woman, no so-called God who can compare to you. And let's look 700 years later, this prophet comes on the scene named Micah, whose name literally means who is like. The Lord. Who is like the Lord, just as in Moses' song? He says this starting in verse 18. It says, Who is a God like you, forgiving iniquity and passing over rebellion for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not hold on to his anger forever because he delights in faithful love. He will again have compassion on us, he will vanquish our iniquities. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. You will show loyalty to Jacob and faithful love to Abraham as you swore to our ancestors from days long ago. So ask the question again, who is a God like you? In this passage, in these few short verses, I'm gonna give you three things that, that we see that we can glean from this passage, from his prayer of celebration. Number one, our God is merciful it says, he does not hold on to his anger forever because he delights in faithful love. He delights in mercy. What does, why does God forgive sin? Why does he pass over our rebellion? Because of his mercy. And as we have looked back at the, the children of Israel and over these last several months, as we're looking at, at the exile, as we look at, uh, at God's punishment over the children of Israel, it's kind of hard to understand but what we've got to see is that the children of Israel, they sinned against God. They left him. They turned their backs from him. They broke his law and sinned. And therefore, God was angry with them and punished them. We can ask, where's the love in that, right? If a God who loves us, who's, who's so rich in mercy, why would he do that for his people? Because he loved them because he had mercy on them. They did not get what they deserved. See, we are disciplined because of his mercy. We don't get what we deserve. We are sinners, we are sorry sinners, and I am so glad that we don't get what we deserve. But we are also blessed because of his mercy. You see, he delights, he finds great joy in showing mercy. It's undeserved mercy. God is not, never reluctant to show his mercy because it pleases him to be merciful. Remember, we're, we're all sinners. We're saved by grace. We are undeserving of his goodness in our lives. And just because of his unrelenting love and mercy to his children, to his people, we find salvation through Jesus Christ. Romans 5, eight says, God shows his love for us that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, at our worst moments, when we're wondering if we're too helpless, if we're too hopeless, if we have sinned one too many times, we can still remember the joy and the delight that God has in showing mercy to his children. Our God is merciful, but also along with that, he is forgiving. He goes on and says, he will again have compassion on us. He will vanquish our iniquities. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. And I love this this image that Micah gives of, of casting our sins into the depths of the sea. I see this as me and God are going out into this boat in the ocean and he's taking it, he's naming them one by one. And he's saying, Tyler, you've done this and Tyler, you've done this and Tyler, you've done this. And he takes them, balls them up and throws them into the bottom of the sea. Just a few days ago, I was watching this movie and it had some divers in it and they were going down and it seemed like they just kept going and kept going. And it showed this picture of, of these caves as they were going through it. And it just reminded me of the vastness of the ocean of how unsearched the ocean is and how it will never be fully known. That's what God is doing. He's taking our sins and throwing them into the vastness of the ocean, never to be found again. Because of and through Jesus, our forgiveness is final. Hebrews ten seventeen says, I will remember their sins and lawless deeds no more. So why do we dwell so much on our sins? Why do we consistently remember and, and go over our sins when God does not? Why do we say, I just can't seem to forgive myself? Really, the, the thing that we need to do is we need the forgiveness of the Father, the one who sent his son to To us. When we find the forgiveness of the Father, then we can move on. We can heal. We can forgive ourselves. Why do you think that Jesus was so in in agony in the garden just a few short hours before the crucifixion? Because he was about to take the weight of the world's sin on his shoulders. Now, I ask the question again who is like the Lord? He is merciful. He is forgiving. And the last thing that we see is our God is faithful. Our God is faithful. He says, you will show loyalty to Jacob and faithful love to Abraham as you swore to our ancestors from days long ago. Our God's faithful to keep his promises. And it, this, this verse reminds us of the, the promises that he made to, to Jacob and to Abraham. And last week, David talked about the promise of the coming Savior, the coming Messiah. And Micah alludes to this earlier when he says, I will wait for the God of my salvation. See, he is faithful in his promises and he is also faithful to go with us. He sends his Holy Spirit to go along with us. John 14 says, I have spoken these things to you while I remain with you, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I've told you. He is faithful in his promises. He is faithful to go with us. But I see these things. I see that he is merciful, that he is forgiving He is faithful and I just can't help but ask why? Why is God all these things? Why does he do this for me? Go back up to verse 18 it says who is a God like you forgiving iniquity passing over rebellion he does this for the remnant of his inheritance that's us. Everything that he does everything that he has is going to be Ours. We are the remnant of his inheritance. That's why he is merciful. That's why he is forgiving. That's why he is faithful, because he loves his people. He loves his remnant, and he wants what's best for us. He wants, the, he wants goodness in our lives. He wants us to be unified together. You see, Micah saw this going on firsthand, the the chaos, the, the divisiveness, and that is not what God wants for his people. Ephesians 4 says this, this is Paul speaking. He says, therefore, I, a prisoner in the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Therefore, uh, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is above all and through all and in all. This is what he wants for his people. With someone who maintains unity, someone who makes every effort towards the bond of peace to honor others, not to promote division, but heal division. And this is what Micah is dealing with. This is why he is so faithful to us. This is why he is so forgiving. This is why he is so merciful because this is what he wants for his people. You see, the unity of the church revolves around Jesus the more that you are looking to the Lord, the more you are trusting in him, the more you're honoring him, following him, the more you are doing that, the more we grow in unity together. This is what Micah is doing. He says, with all this going on, with all the chaos, with all the lack of trust, he says, as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation and my God will hear me. See, he is choosing not to get caught up in the things of the world. He's choosing not to to live for the here and now. He is choosing to keep his focus on the one who hears him because he knew exactly who God was. He's merciful. He's forgiving. He is faithful. That's who I want to follow. I told you a story of Eli earlier. As as we close, I want to tell you a little story about me. See, me and Eli, we are a lot of like. In, in fact, my parents are in the room this morning. They laugh at me a lot because, I mean, I think it was just the other day. My mom was saying, ha ha, it's payback because... Yeah, so if you think, I mean, looking back, I was, um, I was a very active child. I was very talkative. In fact, I got in trouble a lot for talking, um, most days. I even joke around uh, and most times that I would go to bed at night after my nightly whipping because that was just how it seemed sometimes. And I don't know if you're like me, but um, during those times when I would get in trouble or I would disobey, um, I, I would hear these words from my father. And I just thought these words were the stupidest thing that could ever come out of anybody. And it was this, it, you probably know where I'm going, right? It was this, this is gonna hurt me a lot more than it hurts you. I was like, this is a load of crock, dad, this is not. And stuff my pants with all kinds of shorts and everything. But as a father, I understand that statement so much more. This is gonna hurt me a lot more than it hurts you. You see, as much as I got in trouble growing up, my dad was merciful to me because I didn't get what I deserved. I didn't get what I deserved. I got what I needed. And hopefully I learned from that. But there were those times where I would come to him in forgiveness and asking God, dad, will you forgive me? And he would forgive me. And our relationship would grow stronger. And even to this day, when I need him, he's there. I think it was just the other day, I, I called him and said, dad, I need some help, can you do this? Where are you at? And he came straight there. When I need him, he was there, he was faithful. So how much more is our Father in heaven? He's merciful. He's forgiving. He is faithful. See, we have to stop dwelling on the things of the world, the confusion and the chaos, living for the now and put our focus back on the one who's in charge, the one who brings salvation. I said it earlier and I'll say it again. If your focus is on the here and now, you'll miss out on what's to come. Thank you for listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist. We hope that we will see you in person this next Sunday. To find more information about service times, location, and ministry offerings, visit mysecond.family. Thank you for listening.